I'm delighted that we are finally having our first Pacific update for the year, a monthly segment, as you recall, and uh, we've got a fair bit to catch up on. Uh, a prominent Solomon Islander politician has been pushed out. There's a new government in Fiji. The resignation of Jacinda Ardern was keenly felt across the Pacific. Tess newton Kane, welcome back. Tess, of course, project leader for the Pacific Hub at the Griffith Asian Institute. First of all, a New Zealand pilot has been taken hostage. Yes, good evening, Philip. It's good to be with you again. As we just heard on the news, this is uh, very recent happening in uh, in the in West Papua, in Indonesia. Um, as as you know, and if, you know, I know you've been kind of keeping an eye on this for a while. Over the last forty years, there's been an ongoing resistance separatist movement within West Papua, and the the, the levels of violence kind of wax and wane. But the the army or the the armed resistance wing of that movement did make a, an announcement um, about eighteen months ago that they were going to be upping their activity in the region, and this looks to be if if the reports are confirmed, this looks to be part of that. There's uh, been an upset, more than an upset, in the Solomon Islands. I'm a most outspoken critic of the country's relationship with China has been shown the door. Yes, so Premier Daniel Suidani, who was up until yesterday the Premier of Malaita, which is the most populous province of Solomon Islands, was unseated in a motion of no confidence yesterday. Um, it was it was very keenly anticipated. A lot of, um, you know, a lot of talk in the lead up, a lot of concern about who was trying to influence the voting, whether it was the national government. There's a long-standing um, level of antipathy between Suidani and Prime Minister Sogavare. Um, which predates the whole China thing, but has, has been kind of inflamed by that as well. So as things currently stand, uh, Mr. Suidani has lost his position as Premier and a new Premier has yet to be appointed. There was some civil disturbance, some protests and some um, uh, some small flare-ups of, of disorder. in With uh, with the response using tear gas, I hear. Yes, yeah, so there were reports of the police firing tear gas on um, on protesters. That doesn't seem to have escalated. I haven't heard anything today to indicate that that's been ongoing. But I've, I've also heard from on the ground that sometimes the repercussions for these things may not come for three or four weeks. So I think it is something that we will need to keep a close eye on. Talking to Tess newton Kane, uh, the gentleman who's been shown the door wanted the island province to be independent from the Solomons. Yeah, I mean, the the question of uh, Malaita wanting independence or greater autonomy um, is, is a long-standing one. And there's a, there is a, you know, an established ongoing pressure group within Malaita for um, secession from Solomon Islands. So, you know, that, that again, that's a conversation that kind of waxes and wanes. It kind of died down. But then when we had the switch to China at the end of 2019, we did see that um, that strand of discourse raise its head again. And it's certainly, uh, you know, it, it is part of what plays into this. But an awful lot of 
local politics. There are provincial elections in the offing and then national elections next year, so it's fairly complex. Sudani, uh, of course, is, uh, has close ties with the, Ty- with the Taiwanese uh, government. Yes, he does. And he's he's maintained or sought to maintain his province's relationship with Taiwan, even despite the, the switch to China. And that has obviously rankled with the, the national leadership and particularly with Sogavare. He's a hero, of course, in his own province. Well, certainly, I mean, you know, given that this is Melanesia Phillips, so there are at least six sides to every story, but he certainly does have a very strong following. And previously, we've seen attempts to unseat him by motions of no confidence, um, averted or defeated by, you know, very strong demonstrations of support, including, you might remember, uh, I think during last year, where women of Aoki basically took up, you know, sat on the steps of the provincial government and didn't let people in to prevent the motion of confidence, of no confidence going ahead. So he certainly does have a strong following, but that's not to say there aren't uh, factions within the Malaitan community more broadly that would seek to have a different form of leadership. Speaking of women and politics, the whole world was, of course, shocked when uh, Jacinda Ardern announced she was uh, resigning. But for the Pacific, which is so closely tied to New Zealand, it was particularly keenly felt. It was. There were, you know, we saw, we heard a number of um, leaders, you know, say, say how shocked they were and how sorry they were that she was stepping aside. There was a lot of reflection on the the contribution that she'd made to Pacific regionalism and to um, enhancing and deepening New Zealand's relationships with the Pacific. And she certainly, you know, in terms of her personal style, she was extremely well regarded. And there was an, obviously an awful lot of warmth in what we were hearing. And I guess the, the added sort of piquancy was that she was um, she was very much a beacon for female leadership in the Pacific. So, you know, when we had the the meetings of leaders, she was one of maybe sometimes there might be two or possibly three women at most. So she was definitely seen as a, a real kind of like role model for women, women Pacific leaders. Now, she's been succeeded, of course, by um, Hipkins, and he's made an interesting appointment as Deputy Prime Minister. Yes, so the Deputy Prime Minister, you know, again, this was something that was keenly watched in the region and and very much welcomed. She is the first um, Pacifica person to to hold that position, that high position of Deputy Prime Minister. She um, claims both Tongan and Samoan heritage. So, again, uh, you know, again, within the the sort of the... um, the commentary act within the region, that was something that was well noted and, and warmly welcomed. In Australia, Tess, we've been desperately wanting Pacific Island workers to fill gaps in regional areas and the government announced, uh, well, the other day that it was uh, ahead of schedule in the Pacific Labor Mobility Scheme. That's right. So the the government was saying they wanted 35,000 by the middle of the year, by the end of the financial year. And they're now saying that they've already passed that landmark sort of six months ahead of schedule. So, you know, I think we've talked about this before, Philip, and we'll be talking about it again because it is such a huge issue in the region. And it's just got so many 
complex and conflicting aspects to it. So when I was in Vanuatu at the end of last year, and I think I spoke to you while I was there, every conversation touched on this. And it was it was this real sense of it's a great opportunity and we can see that there are real benefits, but we're concerned about a brain drain from the private sector. We're concerned about the impacts it's having on families. We're concerned about the welfare of our workers when they're in Australia and New Zealand. So there are some real um Real concerns. It's a very live conversation in Samoa. Just in the last week, we've seen Samoa on the first of all say, no, we don't want anybody going because we need to get a handle on this and then backflip and say, okay, people can go. So it's, it's very much a, you know, it's a very complex situation and there are a lot of structural issues that need to be addressed both in sending countries and in receiving countries. So given how central it is to what the government wants to achieve in terms of building closer relationships with the region, I think it's going to get a lot more attention um, this year. I think it's going to be something that we'll be touching on a lot. And hopefully that, you know, that attention will be with a view to building something that people can feel proud of on on all sides of the Pacific. We're almost out of time, but the biggest thing to have happened in the Pacific since last year was the change in Fijian government. That's right. I, you know, I didn't get, there were a whole bunch of Christmas jobs I didn't get done because the Fijian parliament sat on Christmas Eve and a new prime minister was um, sworn in that day. So Sitin Veni Rambuka is now the Prime Minister leading a coalition government in Fiji. It's been a very volatile few weeks. It's, there's been a lot of storming, forming and norming going on. There's a lot, a lot changing at fairly rapid pace. So we won't do justice to it now, but I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about it another time. And let me express sadness about an event in Vanuatu where, of course, you've spent much of your life. Yeah, so the loss of the chief's Nakmal, um, the kind of the meeting place of Malvatamari, really was a huge, a huge blow to the the cultural and social heart of the country. Um, we don't know what's happened. It does seem to be that it was a deliberate setting on fire of this building, but it's it's hard to explain just how significant it is. It sits across from Parliament. And it really plays a really central part in the in the life of the community. So it is a big loss. Thank you, Tess newton Kane, Project Lead for the Pacific Hub at Griffith Asia Institute. We'll be uh, joined by Tess and other voices from around the Pacific in future segments. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.